بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the aftermath of the battle of Qadisiyah and after the battle of Qadisiyah the Muslims went on to conquer Madain which was the capital of the Persian Empire. So they took over Madain and they took over the palace of the Kisra himself. Now before the Muslims reached Madain, before they reached the capital of the Persian Empire, Yazdajar, who was the Kisra, he fled. He ran away from Madain and he took refuge in Hulwan. Now the surviving Persian soldiers who were defeated in the battle at, at Madain, they fled north until they reached a region called Jalula. Now Jalula, it is north of Madain and basically it is a mountainous area that provides natural protection from anyone going towards Hulwan. So basically there is Madain and north of Madain is Jalula and then north of Jalula is Hulwan. So the Kisra Yazdajar he ran away to Hulwan. And between Madain and Hulwan is this place called Jalula. It's a mountainous region. So Yazdajar the Kisra he thought that he can take refuge in Hulwan. He thought he would be safe in Hulwan because of this this basically natural fortress that protects him from anyone who is coming from the south. So the Kisra, he ran away to Hulwan. The army, after they were defeated at Madain, the Persian army, they fled north and they gathered at Jalula. And as we mentioned, it's a mountainous region and it's east of Baghdad. And it has a small river in that region and the name of that river is the Jalula River. And this river flows into the Tigris, which is one of the main rivers of that region. So Jalula, it's a small river and it flows into the main river of the Tigris. So the Persian soldiers who were defeated at Madain, they gathered at Jalula. And they started discussions on where to go from here. So they're at Jalula, but they're, they're discussing amongst each other, where should we go to reorganize and to regroup? So some of them suggested, let's continue going north. We'll go north towards Azerbaijan. And we will regroup and we will reorganize and we will try to attack the Muslims again. And others from those soldiers said, no, let's not go north, let's go south. So there was a dispute amongst them. They didn't come to an agreement where they should go, where they should regroup and reorganize. So because they couldn't come to an agreement, they were about to split. Those who wanted to go north were about to go north and those who wanted to go south were about to go south. So the army was about to become divided. But then after they thought it through some more, they decided this is not a good idea. Why are we splitting up our army? We have already suffered so many casualties and so many losses in Qadisiyah, then again in Madain. Now we're going to split ourselves into two again. That's going to make us weak. 
So they decided we should not separate because if we separate, we will definitely become weaker. So if we stay united, then we will at least retain some of our strength. So what they decided, they decided not to go north towards Azerbaijan and also not to go south. They said, we'll stay right here. We'll stay right here in Jalula together, united, and we will reorganize ourselves right here. And we will prepare to face the Muslims again for another battle and another chance to maybe take the empire back. So now they have already suffered two huge losses. They suffered the loss of Qadisiyah and then they suffered the loss of Madain, the capital. So now they have regrouped at Jalula and they're thinking, okay, now the Muslims are going to follow us. They're going to definitely follow us here. So we have to try to fight them. And maybe if we win, we can take back some of the lands that they have taken from us. Maybe if we win this one, then we can maybe go back towards Madain and take it back again. This is what they were thinking. They thought that they still have a chance. So they stayed there at Jalula and they reorganized their army and they made Mahran al-Razi the commander. They made the general Mahran al-Razi to be the commander of the army here. And they made the number two in command, the deputy commander, a man named Farukh Zad. Now Farukh Zad, he was the brother of Rustum. If you remember Rustum, Rustum was the Persian commander at Qadisiyah and he was killed at Qadisiyah. So his brother, Farukh Zad, he was appointed as the deputy commander under Mahran al-Razi here at Jalula. So they organized themselves and they regrouped their army and they started to make preparations at Jalula because they knew that the Muslims, it's only a matter of time before the Muslims follow them over here. So to prepare themselves for the inevitable battle, they dug a trench around Jalula. And this was a very common Persian war strategy to keep out anyone who wanted to attack they would dig a trench. And if you remember from the seerah, when we spoke about the battle of Khandaq, that was the first time that the Arabs used this. The Muslims, they dug a ditch, they dug a trench on the northern border of Medina to keep the kuffar out. So the kuffar could not come over that trench. And this is the first time the Arabs used this strategy because it was suggested to the Prophet ﷺ by who? Salman. Al-Farisi, Salman Al-Farisi, who was a Persian. So he knew the Persian military strategies. And he told the Prophet ﷺ, when we wanted to keep out an invader in our Persian lands, we would dig trenches. So the Prophet ﷺ liked this suggestion, and that is exactly what they did. So this was a very well-known Persian war strategy. So the Persians, they used it again here in Jalula. They dug a trench around the city in order to keep the Muslims out. And not only did they dig a trench, they surrounded that trench with metallic spikes. So they're basically these spikes that they placed in strategic locations so that if anyone steps on those spikes or if any horses go onto those spikes, it would injure their feet. So this was also one of the strategies that they used. They used these spikes, metallic spikes. So they dug a trench and they placed spikes all over 
the area and their intention in doing this was to effectively prevent the Muslim army and the horses from the Muslim army from moving effectively because of the spikes all over the area the Muslims would not be able to move this was their thinking and this was their strategy now they strategically placed these spikes in such a formation so that they themselves had pathways that they could move to they knew exactly where they're putting the spikes so they knew where the spikes are and where the spikes are not so they carved these pathways basically for themselves that they could go through but the Muslims wouldn't know these pathways and if they tried to come they would be hit by the spikes so they strategically placed them in this type of a formation now also after they dug the trench they built a bridge on the trench so that they could move back and forth they built a bridge on the trench for themselves and they made sure that they kept that bridge very heavily guarded they kept a lot of soldiers on that bridge because they knew that if the Muslims take control of that bridge they will be able to get to the other side so they kept the bridge but they made sure that that bridge was very heavily guarded by Persian soldiers so this was the way that they organized and prepared themselves for the Muslim army they dug the trench they put spikes in strategic locations and they made a bridge which they kept heavily guarded by Persian soldiers all right now Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas was the commander of the Muslim army there in Persia he received intelligence that the Persian soldiers who had been defeated at Madain the ones who survived they have fled to Jalula so he received this news that okay now they're at Jalula so Sa'ad knew that he needs to act quickly here that if they become strong if they're able to regroup if they're able to reorganize if they regain their strength then this is a danger for the Muslims that they can come back and they can try to retake some of the lands that the Muslims have already taken so Sa'ad knew that you know this is something that needs to be taken care of very quickly so he sent a message to Umar ibn al-Khattab apprising him of the situation this is the situation we have taken Madain but now the Persians the surviving soldiers from amongst the Persians they have reorganized themselves and they have regrouped themselves at Jalula so Umar sent a message back to Sa'ad to send an army to Jalula and to keep in command of this army to keep Hashim ibn Utbah ibn Abi Waqqas Hashim ibn Utbah ibn Abi Waqqas was actually the nephew of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas so Umar says send a group of soldiers under the command of Hashim and have them confront those Persians at Jalula so Sa'ad radiallahu an following this instruction from Umar ibn al-Khattab he dispatches an army of 12,000 soldiers he dispatches an army of 12,000 soldiers under his nephew Hashim ibn Utbah ibn Abi Waqqas now included in this army was Qa'qa ibn Amr and other great warriors and we have spoken a lot in the last few weeks about Qa'qa ibn Amr maybe many of you have never heard his name before this but now you'll never forget his name Qa'qa ibn Amr one of the greatest warriors of Islam so included in this army under Hashim Ibn Utbah ibn Abi Waqqas was Qa'qa ibn Amr and also other great warriors so eventually this Muslim army they reached Jalula they reached Jalula but the Persians were prepared with their trench 
and with their spikes, right? The Persians knew that the Muslims were coming and they had prepared themselves. Now this Persian strategy of the trench and the spikes, it was very effective. And the Muslims could not infiltrate. They could not cross over. And there was a standoff that lasted for 80 days, almost three months. The Muslim army waiting to get a chance to infiltrate into Jalula, but they're not able to because the Persians have prepared themselves very well. So after 80 days of no progress, Hashim ibn Utbah ibn Abi Waqqas, he came up with a plan, he came up with a strategy to end this standoff. He decided to send in a group of soldiers, a small group of soldiers on the spike pathway that the Persians were using. Remember the Persians, they set up these spikes, but they set it up in such a way where they were able to go through those spikes because they knew exactly where they were. So Hashim, he decided, I will send some of my soldiers on that pathway. Even if we don't know where the spikes are, you know, we need to move towards that direction. So his plan was to move towards that pathway where the spikes were and then retreat. Like go forward, start fighting a little bit and then retreat. And what was his, his ideology here? What was his goal here? He was thinking that yes, I will send my soldiers in and then I will have them retreat so that the Persians will follow them over to this side. Basically, we will smoke them out. We will go in, we'll fight them and then we will retreat and then they will follow us. So they will come over to our side. So this was his thinking. This was his strategy. So he sent that group in. They fought for a while and then they strategically retreated. And the Persians thought, okay, this is our chance. Look, they're retreating. They're retreating. Let's go and finish them off. So then they went on to the other side. Now in the meantime, those Persians who were guarding the bridge that connected both sides of the trench, they saw that the Muslims are retreating from the other side and the Persian army has gone to attack them. So these Persians who were on the bridge, they left their position as well. They left the bridge. They left the bridge and they joined the rest of the soldiers in fighting against those Muslims who had strategically retreated. So now the bridge is unguarded. Now the bridge has been left unguarded. So now the rest of the Muslim army, they go onto that bridge and they easily take the bridge and they cross over to the other side. Now Alhamdulillah, they have gotten to the other side of the trench and they are in Jalula. And the fighting began. And it was very intense fighting. Very intense, but it didn't last long. It was very intense, but it was very short. And Alhamdulillah, once again, the Muslims were able to cement a great victory here. They got the upper hand and they defeated the Persian army again. So they, they defeated them at Qadisiyah. Then they defeated them again at Madain. Now they defeated them again at Jalula. So whichever soldiers remained, the surviving Persian soldiers, they fled Jalula. And the Muslims took control of the region. Now the Muslims have Jalula. Now as we mentioned, Jalula was basically a stronghold that protected the Persian lands that were north of it. It was basically a, a military fortress that protected anything that was north of it. Now, what was north of Jalula? Hulwan, where Yazdajad, where the Kisra had run away to. He thought he was safe in Hulwan, 
because between Madain and Hulwan was Jalula. And he thought that he would be safe in Hulwan because the soldiers at Jalula would protect him. But now Jalula had also fallen to the Muslims. And Yazdajard received this news. Yazdajard is in Hulwan, which is north of, of, of Jalula. And he receives this news that Jalula has been taken by the Muslims. So now he was very scared. He thinks, okay, now I have no protection. Now I have no land that is strategically protecting my position here in Hulwan. So he fled Hulwan as well. He ran away from Hulwan and he went towards Ar-Rayy. So look at this. This is the Kisra who just a while ago was considered the most powerful man in the world. The ruler of the most powerful empire in the world. Yes, Dajar, the Kisra. He's running away from city to city to city. From Madain to Hulwan, now to Ar-Rayy. He doesn't feel safe anywhere. Right? So this is, this is the downfall of the Persian Empire. Look at this downfall. Alhamdulillah. So now, Yazdajard, the Kisra, he has fled Hulwan and he has gone towards Ar-Rayy. Qa'qa ibn Amr radiallahu an, he leads a group of soldiers to Hulwan. So they reach Hulwan and they take the city easily, without any resistance. Very easily, they take over Hulwan. And during all of these conquests, the Muslims also took over Tikrit and Musil. These are some other cities there in Iraq. So the, the Muslim lands are expanding at a very fast rate. They have taken over all of these lands in a very short period of time. Qadisiya and Madain and Jalula and Hulwan and Tikrit and Musil. So many of these, these lands. So Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, he sends news to Umar ibn al-Khattab about these great victories. We have taken Jalula, we have taken Hulwan, we have taken Tikrit, we have taken Musul. He sends all of this news of these victories to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu So after all of these huge gains, after all of these huge, huge gains from the Persian Empire in such a short period of time, Umar radiallahu anhu, he decided to pause now. Let's pause before we do any further conquests. He wanted to firmly establish the Muslims and organize the affairs of these lands before continuing. And it just shows what a great leader he was. If you expand too fast without firmly establishing yourself, then just as easy as you took those lands, you can lose those lands. So he knew that, okay, before we continue to expand, we need to firmly establish ourselves here. Then once we're established, we can continue with the conquests. So he decided to put a pause on further conquest for now. And Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, of course, he sent one-fifth of the spoils from Jalula to Medina. After they took Jalula, of course, they took all of the wealth and they took the spoils of war. And they sent one-fifth back to Medina, the Khumus, sent back to Medina. Now the spoils of Jalula, it reached Medina at night. And these spoils, which included all sorts of jewels, rubies, and emeralds, and pearls, all sorts of riches. They reached Medina at night, and they were stored in the masjid. And Umar radiallahu anhu, he appointed Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu anhu to stand guard, to guard all of these spoils in the night. So Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he stayed there in the masjid that night, and he kept guard of the spoils of war. When the morning time came, 
Umar radiallahu anhu, he came out to inspect the spoils of war that were stored in the masjid. And he saw all of this wealth, pearls, rubies, emeralds, all sorts of jewels, gold, silver, an astonishing amount of riches and wealth. Right? Some of the historians say that the amount of wealth that came from Jalula alone, not from the other cities, from Jalula alone, it was 80 million dinars just from that one city. Imagine that, right? So now the Muslims, they have all of this wealth, this type of wealth that they have never seen before in their lives, right? So Umar he's looking in the masjid and seeing all of these jewels, seeing all of this wealth, and he starts to cry. He starts to cry. And Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he asks him, why are you crying, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen? We, sh we should thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us this bounty. Why are you crying, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen? And Umar radiallahu anhu, he said something that's very deep. And if you think about it, it's extremely true. He said to Abdurrahman ibn Awf, he said, whenever this type of wealth enters any nation, whenever any nation, whenever any people become rich like this, then jealousy and envy and hatred follows it. With this type of wealth, these type of things come as well. When people are poor, they live together in peace, you know. Their hearts are clean. They don't have this jealousy and animosity and envy and hatred towards one another. When people are just living simple lives. But once the wealth comes in, in this type of a way, once people become very wealthy, then this is something that commonly follows that. That people become jealous of one another, people become very attached to this wealth and that attachment causes them to have animosity towards their brothers. This type of thing happens. So Umar radiallahu anh cried because he thought that, okay, now this might happen to our people. This might happen to the Muslims. That jealousy and envy and hatred follows this type of wealth. So that's why he cried radiallahu anh. So it was so much wealth, just jewels and gold and silver, so much wealth. So it had to be distributed to the poor people of Medina. So Umar radiallahu anh, he took advice from the Sahaba. How should we distribute this? It's so much. How should we distribute it? Should we actually weigh it and distribute it? Or should you know I just take handfuls and just give it to people? Let us, someone come, I'll take a handful of jewels and give it to him. A handful of jewels and give it to him. How should we distribute? So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they advised Umar. They said, just take handfuls and just give it. Let people come and just give it. We don't have time to weigh all of this. It's so much. How are we going to weigh it? How are we going to do that? You know, it's so much, alhamdulillah, that it's fine. Let everybody come and you know, we'll just give him what we give him. So Umar radiallahu anhu accepted this. And this is how he distributed these jewels and these riches to the poor of Medina. They would come, he would take a handful and give it. Another person would come, take another handful and give it. It was so much wealth that it didn't even have to be weighed in terms of its distribution. And everyone was happy with what they got, alhamdulillah. So with the conquest of the Persian Empire, a huge amount of wealth entered into the Muslim treasury, alhamdulillah. So inshallah, we'll stop there for tonight. And next week, we'll continue with the biography of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. الله جزاكم الله خيرا وبارك الله فيكم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه